0: If everyone can take their seats, everyone welcome to the 11:29 QPSC. We're going to roll call, please.
1: Trustee Banji is not here. Trustee Bouquet? Present. Trustee Charland Here. Trustee Hernandez? Here. And Trustee Simpson isn't here
0: yet. We do have a quorum. So we have a quorum, so thank you. So so we have a lot of new guests uh, and soon-to-be members of this QPSC in the audience. Uh, uh, by way of routine, we, uh, after roll call, we go into closed session. A few comments on closed session. Closed session are uh, uh, discussion points which have 1157 protection uh, and in the setting of uh, patient discussion. So only people who are relevant to the discussions should be in the room. So that's the members of the committee, senior uh, administrators, uh, quality, uh, the the medical staff representation. In this case, we have chiefs of staff and incoming chiefs of staff, which are appropriate. And then people who are relevant to the content, which will be discussed. Council, any further comment? And legal. And of course, and
2: legal.
0: (laughs) So, Counselor, that looks like everyone in this room, so there's no one to be thrown out.
3: Yes. So, and we're going to close session to uh, consider the medical staff reports under the uh, government code, as well as a uh, couple of items that uh, constitute uh, potential litigation, so. Excellent. Point of question. The incoming chiefs
0: of staff, are they allowed to stay here? Of course. Yes. Of course they are. They are. Uh, so with that, we go into closed session. And that usually means... All right, everyone. Welcome to uh, the November 29th QPSC. We are now in open session. Um, uh, we've already gone through the roll call and we just finished our closed session. We'll move into, before we move into the agenda, a, a couple of elements. Uh, Number one, we have a lot of new guests here and, uh, and new people are presenting. so welcome to everybody. We want this to be a comfortable space to talk. Uh, uh, we, we try to live by a principle here, which is 25% presentation, 75% dialogue. We're trying to do that, but we can have those right dialogues to, to, uh, to my uh, compadres on the QPSC, as part of process, we're going to do something espoused by Trustee Hernandez. We're going to actually listen to the presentations. So actually, write down your questions. And we want our, our presenters to be able to speak through their presentations. And then we'll ask questions after, so, we can, so we're not kind of hiccuping them all the way through. But is that OK with everybody? Yes. Okay, with that, uh, we'll move into Action Item uh, B, the Consent Agenda. May I entertain a motion? So
1: moved. I second.
0: Okay, with that, we'll uh, make any discussions on Item B-1, approval of the minutes. Any commentary? The minutes looked pretty good to me, so uh, now we'll move to Item B-2 which was a heavy read, uh, Dr. Magalong. Um, uh, it was 142 pages uh, of the Alameda Hospital um, bylaws and rules and regs. I'll open up this for commentary. Actually, I'm first going to ask Dr. Magalong, Dr. Magalong, can you get, walk us through a few of the bullet points of this, because this is a, uh, a healthy endeavor, this, this document. Thank you.
4: Actually, I don't medical staff provides um, the uh, medical staff by our rules and regulations. It's been a while since we did this. So, um, can I put the mic closer to him, uh, And let, yes, everyone
0: speak in the mic, please. Hello.
2: That's not on. It's there, Hello. It's on. Yeah.
4: Okay. Uh, I yield, break. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so our medical staff revised um, our uh, bylaws, rules, and regulations. It's been a while since we've done this. So these are, this is a total overhaul of um, our bylaws and uh, rules and regs. It's compatible with um, each other. And it's compliant with the law and the current regulatory requirements. Um, our medical staff recognized and uh, that we are now part of a health system, so we have to um, uh, make, you know, uh, establish these bylaws, rules, and regulations that reflect this. the uh, hospital being part of um, our health system, and it aligns with the um, uh, health system's uh, goals and structure. We uh, modeled the bylaws after uh, the CMA. And uh, patterned after the, uh, the health system uh, or Highland uh, Core medical staff um, bylaws and uh, rules and regs as well. Um, some highlights that I want to point out is that um, we are going to be uh, renaming the name of the president of the medical staff to the chief of staff. Our, uh, we're changing our three main committee structures and departmentalizing it. So we will have Department of Medicine, uh, Surgery, and Emergency Medicine. And additional um, things that we added on the bylaw was to address provisions for medical staff unification and disunification, and that would it's on Article 14 of the current bylaws. And we also. Um, have the medical staff uh, representative to the board in the bylaws,
0: uh, article 9.4. Excellent. Yeah, and Uh, you can keep going and then we'll we'll have voluntary. Okay. Um, So uh, I guess I'd I'd like to open up for uh, discussion. Excellent. trustees which of us hazarded the 141 pages right, okay. so so i do have a comment um on, on this and, and uh dr Maglog in, in discussion of, of what you do in follow-up to discussion you just made if, if the trustees can or, or or all members of the audience can go to page 97 of the 195 page document mm-hmm. page 97 article 9.4 and, and this is actually a medical staff representative to the board. Um, uh, uh, the, uh, so uh, what I want to say is the Alameda Hospital medical staff has put this into their, into their bylaws. But I do need to say that, that from, from our perspective, uh, I, I would, and I'll open this up to dialogue to my colleagues, we cannot vote on this item because we've never had this discussion before amongst the board about an additional member, an additional physician to the Board of Trustees. I think it opens up for a nice dialogue, but this discussion has never been had at the board level. So, so uh, I, I think it is a worthwhile dialogue. I, I, I certainly do, but, but uh, and also remember, we're delegated by the Board of Trustees, so the full board has not has not seen these. So with regard to these elements, uh, and in all due respect, Dr. Magdalena, I don't think we can vote. We would have to pull this particular element of the bylaws out. Commentary
5: by the trustees? Other than I agree, yeah, no, no, no other comment. I think you you covered that. Council? No. Okay.
0: No. okay. So other than that, uh, any other commentary on the bylaws? So with that exception, pulling item 9.4 for further discussion, w- would you like to dial on this, Dr. Mandel? Yes, yeah.
4: so, so the, the medical staff put in there as an aspirational goal for us to um, begin and talk about having, since we are an independent medical staff and we model it after um, HHS medical staff bylaws, that to have... Um, Representative in the board would, um, would contribute to the um, healthcare organization's um, um, you know, strategic planning in, in helping the system. Um, so that's how I, uh, we
0: feel that uh, we put it in our bylaws. Uh, and as I said, I think this is a, a fully worthwhile dialogue.
6: And it will be a discussion. And I hope that some of that. Um, uh, uh, that while we discuss that,
7: that any of the strategic planning in informing in by the medical staff of all continues in the QPSC while
6: you know, that discussion happens about
7: the board. Dr. J, I I'd like just to make a comment that we do not have medical staff representative of specific, you represent everybody, Dr. Buquer. So we don't just specifically represent the core medical staff. And our board member represents all our community and all our medical staff. So we do not have isolated physician medical staff. I mean, in your role, you represent everybody, and you have been. So that's, I just want to make clarity about this. Mm-hmm. Highland does not have an isolated representative. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as opposed to to, uh, to Alameda Hospital or St. Andrew, mm-hmm. yes. we, we understand that. totally, yeah. that whoever yeah. the medical staff is right. next yeah. time yeah. around, when Dr. Bucket's turns over, it could be someone from one of the yeah. other uh, yeah. things as well. So um, that is um, to get that. But it's a. Uh, um, as a dialogue uh, of what kind of group uh, as a board so that position representation is important to us and that's why we have Dr. Appel at and yeah. others on our team as well, so, yeah. Yes. Thank you,
3: Dr. Chase. Any other further discussion? Discussions? Yes. So, so, so just to be clear, so the, the Bacallara presented, being presented without article or? 9.4. Okay. On it page was, 97. Is that correct? Yes. That was
0: correct. So with that clarification, without 9.4, with uh, uh, yeah. making that uh, change to the motion. I right. right. we move that we move 9.4, and with that, uh, for the Consent Agenda, all in favor of approving the Consent Agenda with that withdrawal of 9.4, all in favor? Aye. 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 Uh, nos Abstentions? Okay. Oh, right. Motion carries. Consent Agenda carries.
6: I want to make one more comment though. I mean, the, the idea of having some representation from each of the major facilities, while cumbersome in number, I just respect that it's very really difficult for one physician, I think, to represent all of the experience of AHS. It's yeah. very difficult for, I think, um, the unique context in which those other facilities operate. Uh, get represented by one person. Okay. And and I just wanna respect that I appreciate that concern and, and the full board should definitely look into that and mm-hmm. it's possibly a good retreat discussion. Agreed.
8: We retreat. Can you bring retreat so that it doesn't fall by the race I think that would be a great item. Dr. Banerjee
0: sits on the retreat planning committee. So uh, we'll make note of that. Um, okay. Rana for a potential item and, and you. Trustee Hernandez, Chair. You know, I just, um,
8: I'd like to echo the, the sentiment uh, that I think uh, Sunny Andrew also would feel like uh, they would benefit um, maybe in conjunction with the Alameda hospital. Having a physician or clinician doesn't necessarily need to be a physician mm-hmm. condition mm-hmm. on the board would uh, kind of um, you know, voice our community physician's concern. And uh, I did a kind of uh, unscientific uh, look around around the uh, medical board, around the nation. The, you know, I look at Mayo Clinic, uh, Cleveland Clinic, UCSF, Stanford, and, uh, they, uh, when I, and I see the MD or the DO after name, and that that's comprised about 30% mm-hmm. of their board. And I think that would be a good goal we should aim for here, It's like, you know, 30%. Yeah, I'm not sure if all the other board member are nurses or the clinician but no, I do not know no. the one with um, the doctor under, under their name, about oh, 30%. Thank you for the
0: commentary and discussion. With that, we close out item B, and we open into item C, the C chair discussion. So uh, 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 item C, in pursuit of our commitment to expanding our relevant health care knowledge, I'm going to continue in our journal club pathway. Uh, the, the, the journal article included for this month uh, comes from Health Affairs. It's a relatively short read. It's an eight-pager, but I think it's a relevant one. And the title of this, for the audience, if you can't see it, is it is on page 154 of the document. It is called Understanding Why Patients of Low Socioeconomic Status Prefer Hospitals Over Ambulatory Care. Uh, and this comes out at the University of Pennsylvania very good in disparities care and in qualitative analysis as, as, as a medical center. Um, so uh, with that, I'm going to open this up for a little bit of a dialogue on those of us who read the article. Anyone? I, I, I
6: thought this was an excellent piece that just helps provide more context around Um, the perceptions of care at different types of facilities. And I have a colleague, I won't say who, but she's at a major system as well, and she says, uh, we've made it really easy for people to go to the ED. And we need to understand that has consequences, Mm -hmm. unintended consequences.
0: I I think that's a great statement. It it, it is easy, and and, uh, some of the summary statements which I'll talk about, uh, why this article resounded with me, it really is, again, more evidence about how deeply interrelated the, the arms of the healthcare that we provide, both the how, how interrelated outpatient care and inpatient care are, and they flow in others. And we're going to get an SBU report today from, from, our, from our CAOs, and what are we probably going to talk about? We're probably going to talk about throughput, and, and this is one of those elements which directly relates to throughput. Um, in, in the concluding uh, statement, uh, just to steal from the conclusion, they, uh, these authors come out with three insights um, from, from this article. The first. This, this article suggests, and remember this is qualitative analysis, it wasn't quant- quantitative analysis, it suggests that patients of low socioeconomic status preferentially choose hospital care to ambulatory care due to perceptions of one, improved access, and two, technical quality. So that's sort of an, a very interesting thing. Mm-hmm. It seems like they can get quicker, better care. That's the perception. Which is, like, which, is true, which is perhaps a reality. And, and as we have discussions, as we fold into population health, I think that we need to be considerate. The second insight is that it illustrates that patients of low socioeconomic status do not face a homogenous set of challenges. Um, uh, in this article they describe profile A patient who has a lot of psychosocial stressors in their life and then profile B patient who doesn't and, and the reasons why the profile A patients might have come in more than the profile B patients so th- there's not really a homogenous set of challenges it's very difficult across the spectrum for all our patients but, but laying lay two to, to, to high risk patients who have significant psychosocial stressors which, are, which, which is our patient population here The third fact is that, that that while it it might be easy to say this is irrational behavior, this suggests that this is not irrational behavior. Quicker access to, quote, better care, that perception, is the driver here. And I think we have a lot of opportunity from our our population health and our ambulatory uh, side of the house uh, to give them quicker care and greater perceptions of that. Maybe it requires more time with our patients in clinics. Maybe that 20-minute turnaround is burning us. Maybe. You know, the other thing that struck me is like, I, I think, you know,
5: looking at this, like, they tend to wait. Yeah. They wait until they're sicker, and then when they call one of our clinics and find that they're going to have to wait a week, right, many of them are going to feel that I don't have a week to wait. Or I'm sick enough now or I'm so sick that I really need to get to the ED. <laughs> so we tend to see more of that primary care shift happening in this group of people. Yeah. For two reasons, they're waiting, in there, but the access is not great. Yeah. I mean, what, what is our current access for a primary care appointment? We have uh, we can
7: see patients within a week right now. Our access is actually quite good. Yeah. for Primary, primary care. care, primary, primary care, care, care access so, uh, to its credit is the best it's been in my tenure year What you mean mm-hmm. even even a week?
0: If it's not. You have, you have open appointments that are that are open for drop-ins, that, that change the perception. Right? Still, not
9: have the same thing. Whereas you are same day emergency
0: department.
7: No, we said that Dr. Jen. So, uh, first of all, thank you for bringing this to attention. I have not read this. have not read this article before. It brought my attention. Though I have addressed the topic of having the emergency department as one-stop shopping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is no question that uh, patients with uh, low socioeconomic. Uh, 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 resources mm-hmm. and and, uh, and psychological resources uh, become very very challenging to manage in the ambulatory care setting. And we're trying to see what we can do in our ambulatory care setting. So it's not only the physician. You know, uh, if you need to do an MRI in the ED, you get it done. You wait and you get it done. If you need to do an MRI in the ambulatory care setting, you need an authorization. And, uh, and so on and so forth. And then you need an appointment and you need to come back. So uh, this, is, this is like really the problem. I'd like to highlight after reading this article, uh, I know I have researched this in my past, but I researched a little bit more article. The VA system has looked uh, in 2017, in JAMA has looked at the the cost if you institute mm-hmm. uh, an inpatient care versus a complex care management like we do have in our ambulatory setting. We have complex care management of our patients. And the cost did not, did not change. Neither the quality of care did not change, which was very fascinating. And that's in a very close system like the VA where you can really control the cost. Uh, so, uh, so again, you know, looking at the cost, uh, maybe we are, not, we are not really saving much. By, by, by doing this complex care management and the delivery care setting. But we really have to think about two things from my, my perspective. One is uh, about addressing uh, uh, the social determinants. Uh, and two is about uh, addressing our care model and how can we create a one-stop shopping for our patient that is outside the emergency department. How can we do that? How can we bring a patient and, and get everything done. Because we are doing it at the end of the day. Right. Mm-hmm. We are ending up doing it late. So anyway, how can we do it? Yeah. Right. And I think a, a lot of that encompasses not just the ambulatory setting, but the kind of uh, home, uh, like services within the community as well, so that there is that continuity of care mm-hmm. along the continuum <coughs> that happens. Uh, the uh, partnerships with public health and health workers and and other things are taking into effect so that folks are using the ambulatory in the way they're supposed to, but then also getting that service outside of either of these two
5: diets, ambulatory and hospital, but in the place where they live. And, and have you seen any studies where they've looked at the, the ability to access urgent care uh, in close proximity to an emergency room may have changed that dynamic? Uh, I, I, I haven't, uh, uh, you know, about urgent care, the, the data has been really uh,
7: rewarding. But again, when it comes to complex care and no socioeconomic, you know, it starts to drift back. So uh, urgent care for, like, the usual, uh, like, uh, we call them, I forgot how we call them, the ED, ES, the ES, like, they're not no, very empty, very not very yeah. yeah, 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 well. yeah. yeah, safe. Yeah, four and four, yeah. So.
1: And and
6: is there a model for almost maybe an advanced version of health leads? You've you've heard of health leads where um, the physician can give a script for a person who needs, say, help with housing or something like that so that the physician doesn't have to become the case manager. They can just say, here's the referral to someone who's right there in the ED and can help you navigate that really complex system.
7: We have already this, uh, I see Sheila in the back. Okay. Uh, I mean, you can, talk, you can come and talk about this because we already have this. We have it in behavioral health and we have it in, uh, in acute care. Do you want to comment, Sheila, about this question? Sheila Mizo Sheila is our VP of Care Management and Social Care Services. I asked her to join, to yeah. join wow. us this afternoon.
6: So to answer your question, yes, we do have um, health advocates. Okay. And the referral, they they take referrals for all levels of social determinant for our patients, both in ambulatory and the inpatient. Okay. And That's even in the emergency department. That is correct. Okay. Yes. So let's stand up like, for, that protocol applies to everybody, or do we do for at-risk, like home nurse? It's for everyone who needs a referral. Yes, so it's not limited to high-risk. It's everyone who, and and walk-ins also, even without a clinic appointment.
1: How long do they
6: stay with the patient? Would it be until they've completed all of those extra steps that they need after they've seen? I I would say yes. So we have, a project coordinator we have um, a community health worker that works with the patient and takes them all the way through the process okay. yes cool. thank, you.
0: thank you for that dialogue any other further commentary on this as we close out this section again uh, a- again adding to our dialogue as we talk about quality and access and, and the like so With that, we will close out item C. We will uh, move into item D, the chief of staff reports. Now, before I move into the chief of staff reports, I want to remind the audience and, of course, this committee that this is the last chief of staff reports for this uh, cadre of three chiefs of staff. Um, What I say to them is the chief of staff position is a thankless position. As a former chief of staff, I know this. And I want to undo that a little bit and for all of us to give you thanks for your two years of service to us. So with that, I'm going to go uh, not off script, but, but I'm going to adapt to what is usual. I've, I've already let all of these, uh, all of our chiefs know. Uh, this isn't just going to be a standard report. The report is included in the packet. I've, I've asked each of them to, if you will, give a farewell address, um, uh, their lessons learned, uh, wisdom, how they would counsel uh, uh, their, 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 uh, the, the future chiefs of staff. On, on issues relevant to us. So you now each have a brief opportunity to channel Washington, to channel <laughs> Truman, and to tra- channel Obama. So so uh, have at it. Uh, dealer's choice, as I said.
5: Or I'll call one. All right,
0: Dr. Magalog. <laughs> <right. laughs> So just reply do you want me to use some you, items. You, you, you can hit whatever you think the relevant items are, but they're, in, they're included in the packet. And and um, uh, the Alameda Hospital uh, written report is on uh, page one six six. One six six. So we we will follow along if you like, and then you can give your farewell to us, and of course introduce who's coming on. Okay. Absolutely.
10: So. Um, for uh, this month, the medical uh, staff
4: leadership is currently focusing on our, our influenza compliance, so we are um, reminding and uh, calling our physicians um, and providers who have not um, submitted their documentation to comply with this. We also discussed our patient experience, and um, we've seen the packet of three months course. Certainly the opportunities for improvement, especially in communication, about medications, and uh, so we did well with this, but in terms of uh, courtesy and respect among physicians, um, respect uh, and courtesy of with, uh, food services, and environmental services, and communication with nurses. So um, we are uh, in constant dialogue and planning with um, uh, administration, specifically um, with Dr. Tonabeni on how we can uh, improve these. Uh, patient experience um, areas. Um, we have continuing discussions on um, how we could uh, improve our patient transfers, uh, providing a, a safe transfer for patients um, in between campuses and uh, uh, as well as uh, continuing dialogue with opportunities to uh, improve uh, specialty uh, services for uh, Specifically, which I mentioned uh, last month also, was the uh, uh, improving uh, cardiology coverage, uh, as well as urology coverage, and uh, special, uh, uh, also um, discussions with um, opportunities to improve our uh, gastroenterology coverage in the hospital. Um, So I'd like to thank the board for approving
2: our bylaws. And also yeah, it's like a 9.4, 9.4, it's like
4: <laughs> 9.4, and um, I'd like to have this opportunity to thank everyone in the board,
2: um, so as, well as the AHS uh, executive leadership, for the support and
4: opportunity to serve us um, in the uh, HS board and QPSC as a representative of the Hospital medical staff. So I'm honored and truly, uh, profoundly grateful for the chance to help achieve our mission of. Um, caring, healing, and teaching, and serving for all. Uh, these are challenging times and inspirational times for our organization. Uh, physicians are always present, we're always present uh, in the communities at the times of need, and uh, they always will advocate, we always we advocate for our physicians, for our patients. Um, you know, the um, medical staff at hospital has demonstrated this time and time again, before and after the affiliation. I'd like to affirm that our medical staff is committed in its role in providing leadership and working collaboratively with the HS administration, as well as with the Board of Trustees to continuously improve patient care. Uh, We have similar and shared goals. The Board, the administration, and the medical staff, whether uh, we're employed or in private practice, um, want to deliver high quality and safe patient care to our patients. Integration of clinical and specialty services is important in our organization, and our physicians in the medical staff understand and recognize this. Uh, As we integrate our services, I'd like to encourage that administration continue to engage and involve, as well as collaborate with the medical staff. This will ensure that our organization continues to deliver and improve patient care in the communities that we serve. The perspective and role of the community physician is important in our organization to continue to have a successful community hospital. I do hope that the organization um, continues to engage um, physicians um, as we integrate uh, services. Um, I want to reiterate to the board that the physicians at Albany Hospital are committed to work collaboratively with administration and the Board of Trustees. Um, I ask the board members um, and administration to uh, communicate and dialogue with physicians to explore actionable ways to coordinate care and improve access and quality care for our patients. Um, the, idea is, the idea is to have a well-informed medical staff who shares in the decision making of HHS in its operational and strategic planning. Um, here, um, also, I'd like to uh, uh, introduce um, Dr. Joseph
2: Marzuk, who is going to be our uh, chief of staff. Uh,
4: Would you stand, Dr. Marzuk, first? Thank you, Dr. Marzuk. I've, I've been leaving in good hands to have, uh, uh, a very excellent position leader who has years of experience in, in leadership and in medical staff issues and governance.
0: So um, thank you very much again. Thank you, Dr. Mahon, for your service. Dr. Marzuc, we look forward to working with you.
8: Next, Dr. Hearn. Mm. Thank you
9: um, for this opportunity to make a few comments to um, the QPSC. I actually have a, a slightly longer um, comments for the full board tonight, um, so my comments at this meeting will be relatively brief. Um, in addition to the standard credentials and privileges that are in my standard report, um, we have, again, been talking about surge and throughput, uh, and uh, we have been discussing the electronic health record and all of the import and the training that will go into that, and we're very excited for that. Um, we have some other issues that have been uh, more recently presented at MEC, including the ambulatory department annual report. Um, we've had some very extensive discussions about uh, medical group integration, as well as the San Leandro Hospital uh, rehab uh, situation. Uh, and we will discuss about that more later tonight. Um, I do have a couple of things that I would like to say from a, from a quality uh, standpoint that I feel is that we've been particularly um, uh, uh, we, have, we have benefited uh, in the last two years from the developments um, that the medical staffs have, have undertaken. To include um, the alignment, the credentialing, there's a lot of uh, alignment across all three medical staffs in terms of credentialing and privileges, and uh, we've been very fortunate to have Sotirah Dalton uh, helping uh, shepherd us through that, through that process. In addition, um, we have made it a point to discuss leadership opportunities amongst all of the medical staff leaders. Um, And to that extent, we even hosted our very own MEC retreat, uh, which was uh, across all three medical staffs, which had never happened before in the history of AHS, uh, which was quite successful in October. Um, So there are a lot of uh, of very interesting and collaborative efforts that our medical staffs have undertaken. Um, In addition, Uh, We have also been focusing on leadership courses for the med staff leaders. These are courses that are given on a national basis. Luckily, many of them are in California, so it's relatively inexpensive to go to. Um, And our medical staff, we had seven of our medical staff leaders go to a a recent conference last week in San Francisco uh, for three days, and they're rate reviews. And we don't learn a lot about leadership in medical school. Some of us have other experiences that, that that lend to that uh, to that knowledge and to that experience, um, but many of us do not, and it is something that, as medical staff leaders, leadership is not is is very invariably an inherent talent. Um, it is something that is gained through experience. Um, and it is gained through, uh, through uh, dedication and it is gained through actually seeking out um, educational opportunities. And we've done a, a very good job um, in conjunction with uh, Dr. Jamaladeen's help uh, in educating our medical staff leaders uh, about these issues, and I think that's incredibly important. Finally, we have done, uh, we, have, we are well on our way to um, a peer review redesign uh, that was started probably a year and a half ago. Uh, in conjunction, again, with all three medical staffs, uh, Timber Hussein has taken the ball at this point, um, and we anticipate that rollout in the, in the next six months, and we're very excited for, again, from a quality and peer review standpoint. Um, I will uh, recuse, I will, I, will, I will limit my, my other comments uh, to the, for the large board meeting. I do want to comment on three things, however. One is, is that um, you had asked about sort of advice and uh, and, and words of wisdom, I I would say that we've been very lucky um, in the last two years to have administrative partners um, who have reached out, um, who who, who sought to work collaboratively with us and hope that continues. From a board standpoint, I would ask that the board continue to ask questions um, and to listen. Many of us who are medical staff leaders have been here for decades. Um, and have a tremendous institutional memory about how the system has worked, should work, uh, and we are very invested in its success. Um, And so please ask questions, please listen to our perspectives, and and we do appreciate that. Um, And finally, I I think um, my next advice would go to further med staff leaders. I have to um, acknowledge and uh, and welcome Kelly Billard, Dr. Kelly Billard, uh, one of our trauma surgeons here. She's going to be the next chief of staff. Very excited to have her here. Her dedication uh, and, and, uh, and focus, uh, especially uh, when it comes to disaster preparedness is un- unparalleled and we're very lucky to have her coming on board the next two years to focus and, and to help with that. Um, and, but to all medical staff leaders, I, I would just implore you to be honest uh, and be forthright and uh, to, to tell the board um, what you really feel and they really, because they want to hear it and they want to listen. And that ends my report. Thank you, Dr. Hearn, for your service.
0: It's been great having you. Dr. Bellard, we welcome you. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Chu,
8: take it to the house. Yes, thank you. So uh, for San uh, Diego Hospital, um, the uh, professional service and contracting, uh, Dr. Yasimoto, is uh, working on uh, standardizing order sets and, uh, and procedure kits across the system. And that's to uh, help um, the hospitals and uh, the patient do uh, certain procedures such as uh, LP, OP, paracentesis, uh, paracentesis, and thoracentesis. And uh, the 2019 uh, Medical Officer nomination will group and uh, we have um, Dr. Ingenio right here, upcoming chief of staff, and Vice uh, Dr. Michael Ingenio. Dr. Michael. And our uh, Vice Chief of Staff here will be uh, Dr. Rocconte. And Secretary, Secretary Treasurer is uh, Dr. Sarah Rangelin. She's uh, a um, surgeon, general surgeon at uh, San Intro Hospital. And Dr. Rocconte is the hospital at uh, San Intro Hospital. And Dr. Ingenio is the vascular surgeon, as many of you have met before. And quality outcome uh, for two, 2019 True two North Metric Dashboard, Review. And San Diego Hospital is doing well in quality period. And will continue uh, toward improving the uh, patient experience period. Uh, compliance and use of sepsis bundle continue to demonstrate improvement. And sepsis uh, mortality rate is still below uh, the national interest. And then Postdale of Office can turn together uh, through vaccination, uh, documentation, from our provider, and we actually having the uh, Departmental chair making uh, calls to the non-complier and get them to comply. And in this scorecard show, um, improved performance uh, with, without being seen. Average uh, to arrival time and discharge time that's um be improving. And there's some issue where uh, the rehab move. I'll, I'll say that for the uh board uh, meeting. And we have um, medical staff um. Idle revision. Uh this uh, was this Title Page. Title Page. I'm not sure if that Title Page. Title Page. Title a Title re- Page. revision. Page. Uh, Title Page. long Page. Mm-hmm. So that's um, uh, exhibit revision is only Page. So, uh, excuse me, so is that an action item?
0: Yes, that has to be an action item, right? So that's a revision to your bylaws. Uh, Trustees, this is on, I believe, page 164. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Article 6, section 6.4-1, page 45. Um, uh, So, uh, uh, Council, this was not listed as an action
3: item uh, in the agenda. Can you comment? so i would suggest that you um, you could go ahead and you could consider it and then it can just be um, it's still not going to be able to be approved by the full board until the january meeting so you could consider this meeting and it could go straight to the board in january or you can just bring it back to this meeting in january but, you know, so Dr. Chu, uh, in, in my read of this, it, it doesn't look like these are
0: urgent changes to the bylaws. Or it, it, do you have a different spin on that? Uh, um, is this something that which could await uh, uh, following protocol and process so,
8: so it could be listed as? This uh, actually uh, has um, part, part of it is a joint commission um, um, recommendation. And that's one of our um, corrective action.
0: So so, perha- so perhaps we could put in our minutes that consideration was given to this dialogue, but vote cannot happen until uh, the January session at QPSC and subsequently to the full board. And that uh, perhaps could provide some protection uh, uh, for any Joint Commission reviewer. Could, could there be we some done. specific, I'm uh, sorry to interrupt here, but there were some specific timelines, I think, related to yeah. the changes that the Joint Commission point. I don't know that that okay. a problem waited until January, okay. but that's why these revisions were added Got because it? of some items yeah. identified in the Joint Commission. They were easily remedied sorry. by these changes in the bylaws, there were no issues. Um,
4: essentially our practices at that time were not directly like what was in the bylaws and so the, the reviewer's recommendation was to just modify your bylaws there's nothing wrong with what
0: you're doing but make sure your bylaws are in accordance with what your practices are and, and that's what these are thanks Dr. So fully, fully understand so council can you give guidance to us i think this I think this committee will be happy to vote on this issue uh, but you give us commentary
3: well it, it, it's not on the agenda as an action so. I that is the requirement of the Brown Act. So okay. If it, if it's. You know, there could be you know a special meeting at some time from next month or something. We can't you know, wait until January. Oh, can we we can, could
5: we strengthen our language to say our recommendation is for board approval at the January meeting, and that should probably also work better with the joint commission in seeing that we've taken action? Yes, By making recommendation for approval. I, 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 think. Oh, I, I But isn't
3: that an action? We can we can do that action item here.
2: So
3: that you don't have to do it as an action. You know, I mean, got if everybody has a consensus that you're going to recommend this to the board, then right. that's... So, so we'll put uh, in the
0: documentation, uh, there's a full consensus amongst the QPSC that this uh, should move to vote, uh, vote for approval of this at the January session, no, which will right. uh, subsequently move to the full board in that same session. Right. Is that acceptable, Dr. Chu? Yeah. Okay. Do we,
6: to
0: do, do, do we need to say that again?
8: Again, we... Okay. Okay, Uh, so uh, uh, here's uh, my take over the past two years. I'm going to be frank, and uh, it doesn't doesn't necessarily uh, reflect uh, the view of uh, hospital medical staff. It's my uh, personal feeling and personal observation. I uh, started coming to this board uh, more than two years ago. I did a couple of sub for uh, Dr. Du Wang, who was then chief of staff and i get to know the phone member and uh, i'm quite impressed with uh, our friend member here it was a new and gratifying experience over the past two years to see how a system runs from a high level uh, and the standpoint and uh, two years are up in the snap and uh, i wish i could be here two more years but. Sadly, I have to to give that to uh, Dr. Ingenio. And uh, Dr. Ingenio will be much better than me. He's very charismatic and he's very intelligent. And uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, he's gonna gonna have um, a great working relationship with him. Uh, I I learned a lot and I see uh, how the health system uh, work in uh, and how the board works uh, in the two years of time. Again, and there's still a lot learning for me to do if I had the time. And uh, some, the board functions well as an advisory board. Uh, but at times, I wish it was more than that. Um, we, used know we spend all this time, and uh, we spend our afternoons, spend our, our evenings, spend our weekends, and, uh, and if uh, it doesn't make much of a difference uh, what um, good is that? Uh, no, the tree fall oh, in the body station here. here, right, you no, know, tree fall for no reason, so. So, uh, I, uh, my uh, take would be, you know, you uh, are the body to seek out accurate data, and uh, is sometimes data can be presented in such a way as, uh, um, for example, if, if I want to present a, you know, I take a look at my flu vaccination rate, and I say, you no, know, this vaccination rate, it's not up to par or it's, it's great, and uh, I can present it or just omit it you know, one way or the other. So it's up to the board to ask me, Dr. Chu, how is your food vaccination work at San Diego Hospital? And so that's uh, to seek accurate data, and I think one way of seeking accurate data is from the clinician itself. That's why I'm uh, an advocate of having more commission on the board, get first-hand data, and uh, so can, they, uh, they will be more unbiased and bias as far as um, giving the data to the board for for to make good decision. Uh, there, you no, know, there are some instances I see over the past two years. I I think you no, know, uh, there wasn't enough data. There wasn't enough time, and there wasn't enough choice given to the board. Uh, for one example, the equipment in the facility, uh, it was presented to the board at the last minute when the if the trainer could uh, going to be here in weeks to months, There wasn't much of a choice and there were objections raised by the board. And uh, but you know the, the choice was just not there because this is time crunch and a decision needs to be made. Again, this should repeat itself. Uh, the we have to San Diego hospital was first on the board and the medical staff with weeks to spare. And for and medical staff, we have to work with this such a limited time with incomplete data to, uh, to make it such an important decision that's gonna affect uh, nurses, uh, patients, and physicians, and so forth. So uh, as an advisory board, you can make, you can make good decisions based on mm, unbiased, uh, the more unbiased, the better. Unbiased data sets adequate time, and good option to choose from. And uh, make a difference, ask questions, think outside the box. Don't necessarily go with the recommended, recommended option. And so, just saying that, I found a group to be very intelligent, kind hearted, socially conscious, looking out for the best fortunate, spending, spending your time, your free time, your family time, working for the betterment of uh, Alameda County and making a little
9: better place for a little bit healthier. And for that, I take my hat to and all your
8: effort. And it has been a great honor to work with you over, over the past two years. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Chu, for your service. And thank you.
0: We welcome Dr. Inman. Thank you for your, your commentary or questions uh, to uh, by uh, the, the board members.
7: I thank each one of you um, and you straddle a very delicate situation where you sit on the board and think about um, advocating for the system as well as advocating for uh, and balancing that and most, most times we are in the same boat, going in the same direction, but sometimes it's not and we have to align ourselves and we have that very... Um, delicate role of being able to go back and speak to your peers about what the system needs are and then being able to um, shape that and bring the advocate for your facilities and for your, um, what you see as, um, so, and to see your voices grow and to see the kind of advocacy that you've brought forward has been really rewarding.
1: I feel emotional about this because I am in the seat, not as a stepping stone to the, to the next leadership position. I your here because population health is so, so very critical and the nobility of the mission of this group is
7: so close to my heart. So I thank you for what you all do. Please keep speaking up and use this as a form. The QPSC is really, really we want this to be a place because what we do want to see is that as the system integrates as you, as the system integrates, as we as we strive to culture of excellence and all of the things that we talk about in the full book and at QPSC, that we align the patient quality with our human capital, with people um, and our uh, goals in alignment, the wellness factor that you all have done. The kind of integration that you're doing between the three groups has been phenomenal to see the peer review process. There's just been so much um, productive work outside of the clinical work that you all do that you brought towards the system. So thank you for that, and we hope that, you're, um, th- that the leaders who come behind you will have as strong voices as you have had, but please know that you are not going anywhere, that we will be there, and please, again, ask your peers to come and speak. We need to learn more. We understand that the clinician voices are important. So thank you. Thank, thank you,
0: Banerjee. Cheers. <laughs> Trustees, any other
5: further comments? Trustee yeah. Charles? Yeah, you know, I just want to thank you for the passion that all three of you have demonstrated. But, but the thing that has impressed me the most in having worked with other medical staff in the past is the ability that you have shown in being able to work together to, to see this shared vision. I mean, it is, uh, it is such a huge challenge, and you seem to, to overcome that challenge every time you come forward. So I commend you on that. I know how much work that must have been, and I know you must have gone through some really painful periods. But when you come here, you just show this as being almost effortless, and I know it wasn't. So I commend you on the work you've done. And I do understand that there was a lot of work that was going on in the background that we probably don't see at every meeting, but thank you, thank you for everything you've done. Thank you. We, we try our best,
8: and uh, the challenge is still ahead, and so as um, the Master said, we shall see But <laughs> Thank you, chief of Staff. Always nice to end on applause other
0: than rotten fruits and vegetables, so that's <laughs> So with that, we will close item D, and we will open into item E. This is the acute SBU quality metric report. Um, uh, Teresa Cooper and Lori Foyle, I, I believe, are giving this report, is that right? That's so, correct. So, so we have a wonderful duo here. I hope they weren't surprised by that statement that I just gave. They are not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so well-versed and well-positioned. So, uh, 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 watch wow. Uh, to, to our board members, uh, Teresa is our, our VP of Patient Care Services here at Highland. Lori Foytel is our VP of Patient Care Services at San Leandro. Ronica Shelton is our VP of Patient Care Services at Alameda Hospital. And for some reason, she's a little bit busy today. <laughs> there is a joint commission visit happening at Alameda Hospital right now. So so welcome, welcome again to the QPSC. Um, uh, thank you for coming to present to us. Um, uh, just a couple of elements to, to remind everybody who comes to present. Again, we strive for 25% presentation, 75% um, uh, dialogue. Uh, we, we always ask that a narrative is provided. A very nice narrative is written out. Uh, just to remind the trustees, the document begins on page 168 and uh, there, there are some very nice elements uh, w- which which go through there. So um, With that, I'm, I'm going to open up uh, uh, the mic to you, Teresa Loy, and uh, you guys can tag team and then
1: uh, we'll uh, do some dialogue if that's okay. Sure, sure. That's certainly. So we that you're, you know, only twenty-five like, percent. <laughs> with really any material and presenting there, let's say communications, that's wonderful. Um, do
11: you? We can start. Yeah, we can start with the mid. Um, the observed, so you, uh, I'm sorry, Ray, we're going to to this, so you were able to read this over before. Yes, okay. it is, okay. it's the expectation
0: of all our more members
11: <laughs> that we all have prepared Wink, of link. We can start with access, um, the observed expected length of stay, um, and we're targeting a 2% reduction in um, observed expected length of stay, um, and Highland was at target for September. Um, for Highland, we're doing a lot of work on this. Um, one of the things that um, I would like to um, say that we're really doing is transparency. Um, we really are moving towards that, towards a lot of these measures. So um, we report in our 8.30 meeting every morning about the um, extended length of stay patients, um, and so we're more aware of it, and we're working on that. And, you have and um, so I'm three weeks in over at San Diego, so bear with me if I don't have
1: massive details about all of their structure over there, but i really getting into things over there and finding things that we can work on. We're luckily saying we Hospital is hospitals within goal in this metric as well here, and we are meeting our targets, um, but we are doing a few changes because although we are at target, it doesn't mean there isn't room for improvement on things. So we did uh, begin an initiation of the discharge checklist over there that we're going to follow through on and see if that helps with some of our throughput over there to get the patients from the ED in a little bit quicker. And another thing that we're doing is our morning huddle that we usually have. We have it here at a certain time. We have it there. Is we're really um, using that opportunity to now start talking more about the actual, how many boarders do we have in our ED? How many patients do we have to discharge today And working together? So I think it's for us building a very good communication plan amongst the nurses, the case management, and the physician teams to make sure that we have a plan every day going in to get those patients through.
2: Excellent. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, one comment, and then I'll give it to you, Dr. Jay Just to, re- to orient the board and the audience. On the, this, the, the meetup, the, there's a very nice narrative, but, but, but in, in, in chart form, this begins really on page 172. If you go to one page 172, 172 is a summary document amongst our True North metric dashboards for the system. Then on page, the this, this subsequent three pages are Highland, uh, San Leandro, and then Alameda Hospital. So the, 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 the way these dashboards, in my opinion, are lining up are, are very, very nice. So thank you. Thank you for that information. And, and with that, uh, trustees, write down your questions, and uh, we'll, we'll open the, the mics back up.
1: We did have a section here for Monica. She is not here. Sure. Um, it is in there, so if you've had a chance to read it, I don't want to feel left out. But if you do have anything that we can get back to her and follow up on, we'll be happy to do so as well.
11: So in the meantime, uh, from decision to admit, um, so this is Highland Emergency Department only. Um, so it's focusing on um, efforts to improve Hyland's ED throughput. Uh, turn, we want a 20% reduction, so an hour and 46 minutes from the time of decision to, um, in the ED to place the patient in an inpatient bed. We've had some struggles with that this week. Um, we're uh, having some throughput <laughs> pain. Um, but all of the um, committees, we have a throughput steering committee, um, and the room-ready uh, communication work group um, is is examining the efficiency of this. So there are many things happening um, and I really feel like the needle is about to move um, all of the different um, processes that are going on and we are working, we have a discharge checklist as well. Um, So we're working with our other hospitals um, in tandem with this. So um, I really think that, you know, change is coming.
1: I completely agree on that, and I think it's, i going to say, it's kind of nice having three leaders being able to come together as well, myself, Monica, and Teresa, and to work towards the same efforts and the same goals, and I think that's been very beneficial for us as well. i um, here. We don't have data yet for the Alameda Hospital or St. Longer Hospital due to the Meditech system and the way they extract all of that information, but they are working towards that, so that hopefully in the coming months we'll be able to actually pull that out and get information for you.
10: If I may, if I may jump in here, and just uh, share with, with everyone, I, I, first and foremost, I, I commend the team. I know that they've been working really hard. Uh, I'm, I'm very pleased to have them uh, in their new roles. Uh, Ronica who is, uh, uh, quickly jumped into her role and immediately had a general acute care uh, hospital relicensing survey uh, and then followed by this joint commission survey. Uh, so she's certainly getting her, her, <coughs> for stripes at this point in time. Uh, Lori at uh, San Leandro who has He immediately jumped in over the last three weeks and and has been meeting with all the staff, meeting with all the uh, department leaders, focusing on the operations, and already has instituted some great changes to continue to support the activities. And then Teresa, who uh, has been just phenomenal here at Highland, stepping in, currently in an interim capacity, but continues to provide great work and support, not only to our physicians, but also to our our staff. has instituted some many changes. Uh, The great thing about this is that all three of them uh, have a, a, a long-standing history with the health system, have been here, uh, understand the complexities and the challenges of the system, but now are collectively working together to look at how we can drive synergies across all of our different sites, uh, reducing variability but improving the care delivery model. One of the things that they're identifying here that they're mentioning is really uh, largely driven by the work that's happening under the throughput committee. We have a throughput steering committee uh, that is uh, really multidisciplinary inclusive of several of our key physician Uh, leaders, uh, Dr. DeMaldi, myself, I'm currently the chair of the committee, uh, but we'll soon be transitioning that over to our and E once we bring that person on board. Uh, But in the meantime, I'm currently providing and facilitating those discussions. One of the things that uh, I'll say is everything they're talking about and everything that that, uh, they're sharing within their report is driven off of the activities that have been identified under the steering committee. There are a total of 13 projects that we're currently working on. And these projects aren't just happening here at Highland, but we're also looking at cascading and leveraging and piloting these, these programs and these initiatives at the other hospitals as well. And so when we're seeing uh, some of these efforts regarding discharge checklists, as you're hearing, is creating standard work around how we manage patient pop- you know, our patient population, and as we're preparing for transitioning to the next level of care or to, to the appropriate disposition. Uh, so we've got, we've got uh, discharge checklist, we've got uh, discharges as early as possible within the day, focusing on what we can do to improve the discharges. We're saying discharges by 11 a.m., but we're saying as early as possible within the day to help minimize the impact. We're looking at daily uh, throughput meeting, uh, which is a multidisciplinary meeting of all the different stakeholders, physicians, uh, care management, nurses, everyone involved. And so this is really improving the communication and closing that loop. Uh, We're working on uh, extended length of stay, which they just mentioned. We've got some dashboards to measure and track <laughs> what we're uh, we're looking at post-acute throughput, which not only is uh, looking at our school nursing facilities and acute rehab, but we're also introducing behavioral health into that component as well, and how we can make sure that these difficult to place patients and how we're managing our behavioral health population. Uh, and then we're looking at more operational in nature, uh, looking at bed turnover and what happens after the patient has been dispositioned, how quickly can we move, mobilize and make sure things are happening. So again, it, just to give you a sense of the tremendous amount of work that's going on around um, all three of our sites that have a direct impact and contribute to the work that is being reflected here in our uh Venture Dashboard. And so I just wanted to kind of frame that for you all, well, just to let you know that this is what's driving a lot of those efforts, a lot of that work, and it's what, what we're focusing on across all three of our sites under the leadership of our great VP of Patient Care Services. Thank you very much. Thank you. For trustees, i
7: <laughs> uh, K. Uh, just, I uh, thank you, uh, just want to tell the trustees that in addition to Monica, our in and regulatory team is all at Alinda Hospital. So Dr. Hussein is there, uh, Dr. Thomas Turner-Deming is there, and so is Darshan Gervon. Uh, as it relates uh, to the dashboard, uh, our throughput remains our most challenging factor. And uh, I had invited uh, and Ms. what to talk to us about the patients who are difficult to place because I know in previous meeting a lot of questions came out and I would like you Sheila to come and uh, say about all the efforts that we have been doing uh, in order to, you can come here next to me, just about, uh, as, as, as it relates to the efforts that we are doing to dispose because at any one day we might have anywhere between 30 and 40 patients who do not need acute care but uh, we we don't we are we have challenges to, to to send them either they are homeless or they don't have access to sleep or special uh, nursing care facilities. So one to ask about well, uh, I, I think uh, the question that I took on from last time about our contract for the beds for patients who need prolonged IV uh, IV therapy and what we are doing in terms of the homeless patients. And uh, the challenges as it relates also to the next
6: phase of 1150. Just very okay.
7: quickly.
5: Okay, very good. All right. so I'll
6: do that. I'll do that very quickly. Um, for the, the first question, um, some of the things that we've been working on with um, our Long state patients, it's primarily looking at wraparound services in the community, and we have engaged with um, Bay Area Community okay. Services to these beds for patients that uh, need long-term IV antibiotics that are homeless or have other um, social issues to discharge them. So we are in the midst of contracting um, with the facility and also engaging with the county. So we have a partnership with the county where they are helping us place um, long-term patients that are providing, I believe it's um, about a million dollars in funding and that is across the system. So what we're hoping um, to accomplish Never is recently. to increase an additional 15 beds um, by next month. So patients that, again, that have had yeah. long-term um, IV drug use that are active users, um, this facility is much more equipped to deal with the behavioral issues of those patients. So one, five, 15 beds. Well, actually 20. Wow. Five where um, uh, Alameda Health System will cover the cost, and the remaining 15 will be covered by the county.
0: Two zero beds, 20 beds?
6: 20 beds, yes. yes. Bets, so, wow. Yes, that is, that is correct. And we do have a task force that we put in place for SB 152, and we are working on the various components of the implementation. So we should be ready to go by January. Are these throughout the county, or are they focused in one specific spot or area? Um, it is in one particular area, but San Leandro, Alameda, we have equal access okay. to, to the sites. Everything that we put in place. Um, has been system-wide.
7: Okay. Thank you so much. Yes, you're welcome. Dr. J. Just as it relates to the reports as well, uh, uh, I, I want to, to recognize the work of our VPs, especially around patient safety and the improvement in the patient safety scores Absolutely. and, as we said, about the tra- transparency. although this is an ongoing work. We want to eliminate uh, harm uh, in our our, uh, our care, uh, so that's one. And the other one is a focus uh, on the patient experience. We are trying to really refocus, and see how we can use data to improve patient experience. So I would welcome any question to mm-hmm. uh, uh, trusting energy. Yeah, I wanted to, to say that. thank you for the narrative along with yes. this too, that was so helpful because we have talked about you know going from uh, a reporting to, uh, and we were part of that to now go for performance and the prime and QP AQP and making sure that all of those metrics are that the quality metrics are being maintained while we are doing the, um, so. Um, thanks for those details we've talked about violence of stay and, you know, the readmission So reading this is, has been very
1: helpful.
7: Thank you. I would agree. Um, uh,
0: so, Teresa and Lori, we, we, we have this, uh, we're, we're trying to embed this discussion of quality in this committee, and we use this language called steep, if, you, if you've if heard or not heard mm-hmm. steep. So I'm, I'm going to uh, sound like a broken record and do it a little bit again. So the, these are the elements from the Institute of Medicine which help define quality, safety, timeliness, efficiency, equity, uh, uh, effective, and then patient-centered. I actually feel like the third twist patient and person-centered, including the providers. Um, I, in my opinion, it all begins with S. You've got to have safety. And uh, I'd like us all to put our eyes on the dashboard one more time. So, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Hussein. Uh, Bless him, is always trying to accommodate me, even though I'm not supposed to assign him work. He's actually made a column there for, that, that identifies steep. It's the second to left column. So these are the elements which actually relate to the steep elements. And you actually see two S items. Those are hospital acquired infections and hospital acquired in the harms index. So, so, uh, as Dr. Berwick says, uh, it all begins with safety. And, and these are the true north metrics we've decided. I actually want to uh, highlight these S items across all four of these uh, graphs because it's something that we should applaud uh, uh, ourselves. So uh, let, let's look at the, at the summary one. Um, we're in the green for hospital-acquired infections. What is a hospital acquired infection? That's a central line associated bloodstream infection. That's a catheter associated UTI. Or that's an uh, uh, MRSA, blood infection. One of those three things. Uh, if if, If you drop down to San Leandro Hospital, it is zero. Let me say that again. If you drop down to San Leandro Hospital, it is zero. They have had no Hospital Acquired uh, Infections Index uh, in in, in Q2. Anyone looking at this? This is sort of amazing. Yeah. And, and, and then if we, if, we look at, uh, if we look at Highland, Highland also, uh, uh, we, we, we have some green in current performance year-to-date. We're still working, but still, man, it is moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And then if we drop down to Alameda Hospital, Alameda Hospital is, is working their way through hospital-acquired uh, infections, but doing a nice job, uh, actually a, a, a very impressive job on hospital-acquired harms. Now, just to, again, to put ourselves back into the nomenclature, hospital-acquired harms is an index, um, I can't remember, it's 11 or 13 different things which come into an index. So these are really, really, in my view, our eyeballs should go to this first. Are we providing a safe environment? Mm-hmm. And and, and uh, I, I think uh, sometimes it's tough to find the challenging things to appreciate, but boy, this is, is one that we actually need to celebrate, because when it becomes safe, then we lay the groundwork for doing the bigger things. So um, thank you, uh, uh, Luis, you got a good team there. So so thank you to, to the team, and you guys did great. Nothing to be nervous about.
7: Um, <coughs> uh, when also, i like to highlight, I she reminded me, uh, uh, we, we had a readmission issue at San Leandro and now for the third month it is below, it's in the green and that's a result of really doing almost an RCM and Ivory readmission just like uh, the intervention is it has to do with the integration of care post-discharge and ensuring patients have access to have medications post-discharge. Teresa, I can't remember. Was was the high number
0: just because of like one? It was, uh, was one. Yeah, yeah, this was one patient which bumped that index. Mm-hmm. One, yeah. one <coughs> count. That's sort of amazing. So, That's wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes these indices I mean you know what the heck does that mean? But it was one patient. It was one patient. good to footnote that sometimes. Maybe here. Just so uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, I want to keep keeping, but Sorry. I think that's a good question. Sometimes we, we used to discuss the actual number of people harmed. So just something to consider, on, uh, we can, and we can continue to talk about that. So uh, any other further comments on the acute SDU report? With that, thank you very much for your report, guys. Uh, we'll close out item E. We'll move into item F, which is a, a discussion led by Dr. Jamal Adin. Uh,
2: we're really gonna be talking about you know, we we, we, we continuously talk about uh epic or sapphires and and
0: um, Uh, We're we're always talking about clinical operations. We're always talking about standardization. This is kind of going to be one of those. um, It's it's a nexus of all these things. Dr. Jay approached me and said he wanted to have a discussion uh, for us and to part and form to
7: to help dialogue on standardizing clinical order sets across the system. So Dr. Jay, floor is yours. Thank you, thank you, Dr. Bouquet. So I would like the board to refer to our policy flow, because uh, the order the sets are going to take the same flow. Uh, first and uh, uh, foremost, I want to thank the chiefs of staff and the medical staff from uh, our three acute care hospitals uh, in, in being engaged in the process. Uh, now, uh, the policy flow, uh, It takes, like, uh, was tested with a number of policies. However, as we go to order sets, it's gonna happen now that we finish the build of of EPIC, we're going to start this testing. However, we have, like, almost 200 order sets that need to be approved by the medical staff. Uh, So, um, uh, and we need to go live by September twenty eighth. that's it. So I, I have talked to the medical staff to support me in this and ensure whatever comes to the NEC comes as a final product because if it is not going to be approved uh, and we have to go back it's going to be almost like impossible to rebuild and retest and do all these things so we have built and we have supported medical staff to represent okay. the Year, so uh, one is to support uh, uh, medical staff presentation on the system-wide Physician and Therapeutic Committee and the p Committee, on the Clinical Practice Council, and on uh, the Physician Advisory Committee. And we have asked the medical staff and the chiefs of staff, to be very cognizant, if they are dealing with an oversight where uh, they do not have the expertise, and to refer to the right expertise, and have it ready and sort of agreed upon uh, uh, once it comes to the NBC. So uh, we had a good discussion in, in the hospital, in, uh, and uh, at San Leandro and uh, you know, here at the, at, at the Highland, uh, but, we are going to face situations where there will be some disagreement. And uh, if there will be disagreement, you know, we want really uh, to see how we can resolve them. I have discussed this with, uh, with Dr. Bouquet uh, and how are we going to resolve this disagreement, so not to be, uh, not to be delayed in our goal line. Uh, uh, most of the older sets really have been tested and they follow certain standards. And as we standardize through our system, I am not expecting that we are gonna have major disagreement. However, you know, I would uh, maybe seek help of the board in those disagreements to resolve in case we have those disagreements. I don't know if uh, Mr. Moy wants to
3: comment a little bit about this or more about this. Uh you know, just a couple of uh, comments and, and why this is particularly germane for the Board, for the, this committee and ultimately the Board, is that, you know, order sets are, uh, are different than policies. And so, under, you know, CMS's regulations, you know, the medical staff is required to approve order sets in the same way as to approve, you know, certain policies that are considered the equivalent of that, you know, even though they're in something of a different form. Um, and there is, you know, sort of a you know, unique situation here, you know, in that they're, Uh, are three medical staffs and you know so what does that mean Uh, and we're talking about you know a system you know that you know you know will be destined to be a system-wide system, if you will. And so that's why, as Dr. Gimbaladini you know, points out, it's, you know, you know, crucial to have each of the medical staffs not only weigh in on this, since they will be viewed arguably at the facilities over which, uh, for which they have responsibility, um, but in order to, you know, satisfy the, their facilities' conditions of participation if they're willing to use that order set in Epic, then their medical staff has to approve uh, or their MBC has to have given approval for that as well, too. So um, there's a lot of moving parts to it. You know, the concern is, you know, being able to bring these forward, and uh, as Dr. Jamaldeen points out, there may be times when you may be asked to approve an order set that perhaps it's not been approved by an MBC, but, you know, the idea being that uh, we want to incorporate it into that because it would be used at those facilities uh, where we did, uh, where the MEC has, you know, given its approval for it to be used. Uh, 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 Dr. J, am going to push this one on to the Chief of
0: Staff to provide commentary. Mm-hmm. Dr. McGough. Um, I think, uh, you know, we recognize the importance of
4: having all these orders that can, but I think that the experience from um, our medical staff is that when we go through the process and review the order sets, when we uh, talk to our medical staff if there's any input that's involved, and if there's none, then that's where we usually raise questions about these particular order sets. So we're engaging our physicians in the, represent our medical staff in the CPC to make sure that the order sets that come to them have been reviewed by the experts at our local um, facility To iron out the process and, and, and expedite the approval. It's only when there's no, when we feel that there's no appropriate input from our medical staff that, you know, our MEC questions, because we look at um, the,
0: we ask who in our medical staff is involved in developing these particular oversights. So I uh, our, are you stating that there have been situations where no commentary has been provided by an Alameda Hospital physician on one of the water sets? No, I missed my clarification. Yeah, there
4: the were instances where there has not been any clear involvement. So, so when we ask the owner of the
10: particular water set or the policy, mm-hmm. who did you reach out to? I the hospital during our MEC meeting, mm-hmm. I think that
4: information is not then provided, so we then review really orders and uh, that's one of the things that delays the process. Mm-hmm. So what, we're, what we like to request is that if the policy workflow is indeed followed, then the local expert has been engaged. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, where the improvement of the process should be. Mm-hmm. To con-
2: to, to pursue the process which has been developed. Yes, guide. <laughs> uh, Dr.
0: Hearn,
8: Dr. Chu, any commentary on this? Uh, the um, mechanism for choosing the local representative has kind of been lacking at into a hospital. Uh, there has not been clear um, local representative, and uh, and when. And the other uh, big issue would be when order set they are made for electronic order set, but you no, know, when you translate it, translate that into paper, it become um, unfeasible. You no, know, uh, one click will get you to uh, twenty different medications, but you no, know, in a paper you have to list all those twenty medications
7: explore
8: adult Make making an order set into a twenty page document which is just uh, unfeasible and it's dangerous for us uh, to use because twenty page you know, on page thirteen there's a small check mark there and and it could easily could be So there, that's the uh, difficulty we're struggling with. Dr. J, can I ask you a question? Can you, uh, we, we talked
0: about roughly 200 of these order sets. Right. Can you scale the problem for us? Is this is this uh, like five order sets we're having a problem or are we talking about
7: having a problem with all of these order it's sets? It's hard for me to, uh, uh, to scale. I am more encouraged because we tested this system, and we uh, realized that at certain situations, uh, the engagement was, was not there, but we don't want the, engagement to, the disengagement to need to failure. We need to have an escalation process uh, early on. And in, the, in the, and the hospital medical staff, we said, well, we should communicate by email, we should share, uh, let it be. So uh, we have a lot of bright spots in our testing of the system. So we want to really use those bright spots. Uh, so that's one thing. The other thing uh, uh, that is related to uh, Dr. Chu's uh, comment uh, you know, we want to really, if we are not doing a standard because of a deficiency of uh, uh, a tool or skill, we want to raise the bar. We want to get the standard to that to that level. So there are situations where really we want to really raise the bar to that level we should really uh, have that vision once we implement those standards. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, to answer your question, uh, I am not seeing a very large scale of this, uh, but I just I just want us to be all on the same page as we embark into the testing process and into getting these order sets through this approval process. And, and so, sure, oh, uh,
6: uh, how long would you say this process should be? How many days or? So, so uh, the, all of these
7: committees are uh, made uh, at least on a bi-weekly basis. Okay. And uh, uh, I, I don't have really a clear timeline, but by the time we go through uh, training, everything should be approved. I'm, uh, I'm, I will get a little bit clarity about the situation uh, in the next probably uh, few minutes with our uh, Sapphire team to see how we are going to push this. But by the time we, uh, we uh, like, go on uh, on training, everything should be approved and should be functional.
5: So you're optimistic that this is all going to get done in time? Is that what
7: i uh, Yes. Uh, we, we have uh, in our, uh, you know, SAFI team, we have, like, a scale and check and we are in satisfactory status uh, right now. And I, I, I should say, like, when I address issues with our chief of staff, they address them, you know. They, they, they helped me, you know. They were very helpful. Uh, so.
5: Uh, so, hopefully, things will be fine. So are pushing through, like, the low-hanging fruit first, the ones that are the easy ones to gain consensus on? Yes. And then going for the more complex ones later on and then trying to figure out, is there another step in the process that would make this easier? They are divided, sort of, by different uh, services
7: and different, like, uh uh, like department, if you will, mm-hmm. and uh, the chairs and the physician leadership will assign them to their subject matter experts accordingly, and then they reach agreement into those committees. So, so it, it, there it must it be some, there be some, yeah, yeah. There there are some that are easier and some that are more straightforward. Yeah. 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 yeah, there are things
10: that are like totally straightforward. Straight forward, yeah. Right, Mr. Fonseca. Thank you, uh, uh, Trustee Bouquet. So just uh, to further clarify, I want to just make sure that you know. Uh, for the for the, team and the discussions. I mean I know that you know the example that Dr. Chu presented was was related to some of the work that we did uh, with our clinical standardization for excellence effort that we did in preparation for EPIC. And so we did initiate some um, order sets that we wanted to launch up front to kind of test and trial and really, you know, uh, to, to make sure that we follow our, our governance structure and that we're looking at how this would work for us. And in the end we do have paper still. And so in, in some cases, the order sets were extremely lengthy. And so tremendous amount of work went back and, you know, refining and shortening and, you know, eliminating and so on and so forth. So, so that was that exercise. What, what Dr. DeMargan is talking about is really looking at our future uh, work effort now with, with the build on Epic. And so, which is all going to be electronic. And so that would no longer be an issue. Um, but one of the points that I would want to make and, and you know, emphasizing what Dr. Uh, uh mentioned was, you know, our chiefs of staff have been very, very responsive, very supportive. Uh, they've helped us identify representation for all the different work groups, as you see in your work chart. The work groups are really the ones that are doing the heavy lifting. Uh, where I have seen, and I will share my perspective as I've been in some of the meetings, where I have seen the challenge uh, when the policy has gone through the work groups, there's been consensus achieved at the work groups, uh, where there's been comprehensive uh, representation by, you know, medical staff from all the sites. Uh, it goes through system p it then goes through the clinical Practice Council. When it makes it to the NEC, there's, there's there's been times when there's been a difference of opinion where certain providers feel that the representative that was in the work group was not necessarily qualified to make those determinations. And so there's these differences of opinion, and then that creates some of the challenges. And so, you know, again, that's where I would look to our chief of staff to say, well, then, we need to make sure that as we're looking at some of these processes, that we do identify that person that is you know, clinically qualified and and that can represent the interests and that can represent uh, the the larger body of the medical staff and so that's why I see the biggest challenge that when it makes it all the way through, we get there it comes to a screeching halt and then we got to go back and so that's why I would say we need to make sure we work to improve the process and I look to them for for support and 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 making sure that we have that uh, that type of representation receive energy
7: Okay, Um,
0: so uh, for the Chief of Staff, for the CMO, for the CO, do you see any critical pathway problems we're having right now for the launch of Sapphire? Are we at a critical pathway problem right now for this,
7: or is this moving along at an acceptable pace? Moving along at an acceptable pace, but I think uh, we should, uh, once we, we start to do the, uh, the order sets, we should
9: keep it on the agenda see how it's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Physician Advisory Council, as I understand has representatives from all sites um, of note to get down to the 200 order sets. I think I believe they started at 1,000 or 1,500 because there are a lot of order sets that do not transplant presents and things that we don't do in our system, and so the 200 is actually a, a quite a, a more focused number. And uh, the physician advisory council has been meeting on a regular basis with cups. So I don't, I don't I don't see that there is a problem. It's just a matter of adequate representation, making sure that people are actually there. Okay.
0: Um, it, it's also my understanding, these these order sets come out of the Epic Foundation, is That's that correct? correct? Is that correct? So, so these have been vetted by other organizations mm-hmm. to some degree, mm-hmm. and, and they're, they're,
9: they're looking for us to fine-tune, is that correct? Yeah. They're for fine-tuning, and also, um, if there are individuals that have certain aspects of order sets that they would like to tweak uh, from a personal level, each individual has the ability to go and adjust their own order sets
0: to okay. modify them and make personalization, which mm-hmm. is I think reassuring. Okay. Trustees, any other further comments or questions on this issue? Mm-hmm. Dr. Day, we'll keep this, uh, uh, will as we agenda bill, we'll decide where, the weather, where our next stop point for discussion on this. Appreciate it. Okay, mm-hmm. of course. With that, that closes out item F. We now move to item G, which actually might be very short. Mm-hmm. Item G is Patient Safety and Regulatory Affairs. Our VP Quality and our Director of Patient Safety are at Alameda Hospital conducting a TJC uh, walk around. So, um, uh, I'll open this up to the trustees. We can ask some questions of Dr. J. Um, uh, <laughs> put him on the hot spot. Uh, this, begins, uh, this report begins on page 180. And uh, it's, it's this report, and again, this is a standing monthly agenda item. And um, uh, I'll just put it at that. Any questions for Dr. Jamaldeen on uh, the patient safety and or regulatory affairs report? I will note uh, for the open record, we had discussion about the
7: uh, RCAs in closed session. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, the overall report. We are seeing more reporting from everybody, and uh, the harm is decreasing, which is a good uh, indicator. And uh, we are going to continue with this uh, with this approach of the just culture. Uh, of engaging uh, the leadership with, uh, with the frontline uh, issues and, uh, uh, you know, absolute total transparency. And we are looking at uh, implementing team steps in high-risk areas uh, in, the, in, the, in the next kind uh, of year. I, I, uh, Dr.
0: J, I do have one question, which is just one of the data points. It's uh, uh, on page 184 in the out of the district to you. AHS has undergone a total of 95 survey visits from CDPH, CMS to date this calendar year. Yeah. So how does how do we scale this for an organization of our size? Where do we sit relative to Kaiser or Sutter? Is this a lot? Is this a few? Uh, we, we don't have a relative. Uh, index for this. One. So,
7: uh, do I, I, And I know that's a very I, difficult question. I, I don't, don't have an question. answer, but okay. uh, maybe I, I think of this question and okay. see. Because qualitatively, it feels like a lot. <laughs>
0: and, and, I, and I feel like the, the organization is undergoing a little bit of survey fatigue. Uh, and, and, and I just want to know, is this uh, is this part of the course
10: for the organization of our size? Or these experiences from other hospitals? Uh, and again, uh, not not absolute, but I will say that I would say that it's pretty. I would say that it's it's consistent with an organization of our size. Uh, you know, you have to understand that a lot of these visits are actually due to self-reports. Okay. So we are self-reporting certain events that are within our (coughs) organization. Which is a great thing. Which is a great thing. uh, And and that prompts a visit from them. So uh, of the regulatory nature, per se, from a formal survey, those surveys are, are, are minimal. Many of them are a result of either a self-report or a sentinel event that occurred in the facility that then they, that, that requires an investigation follow-up with the state for a corrective action plan. Uh, I will say, and, and I, I look at Richard behind uh, behind you all there, but in our post-acute, there's some very, very specific requirements for reporting uh, incidents. Uh, as minor as you may think they are, there are many, many self-reports that are generated as part of our post-acute setting, and so that also helps drive the number up. So recognizing the complexity of our system, the fact that uh, uh, more than 50% of our beds are post-acute beds, uh, you know, the, the, the number of, of, of visits that are uh, resulting from these self-reports is, is, to me, I would seem to think that would be consistent with our organization, our size. Okay, thank you. Trustees, any further comments?
6: Just a question about the... Um, The sort of communication about the reporting process. I know that you've launched this trust. Uh, culture, are, are staff reminded about this in some consistent way? Is there some message that's being sent out regularly about that?
7: Okay. It is on the web. There is also, uh, we have like on, uh, on our web, like a click. They can click and report okay. And we simplified the process okay. recently. We redesigned the process to make it much simpler for okay. report
10: and to be totally anonymous.
7: Mm-hmm. Okay.
10: And we do. We do communicate and train our staff. Uh, we highly encourage our staff to yeah. recognize that there, there is a vehicle and a mechanism by which they can express some of their concerns or anything that they've identified and how we can continue to really improve our, our culture of safety.
6: Uh-huh.
10: So I,
0: it's one of those things where it's a little bit scared by the number, but it actually is reflective we're no, that. I'm, I'm
6: glad. I'm, I'm really glad. I'm impressed that people are consistently reporting more. I mean, I saw the figure that says it's the second highest. Uh, number in the, uh, uh, on record. So that's really good. I just would like to know that it continues because we're reminding people of how important this is to produce the kind of quality
10: that we're looking for. And, and the key to focus on here is not necessarily the absolute number no. of total reports. No, I know. Is yeah. looking at those that are E or greater. Yeah. Yeah. E meaning those that have the harm that's reached the patient. Yeah. And so when you look at our absolute and you look at the percentage, um, of all the reporting which ones and what's been our average we remain still very consistent and very low in those e and above i, I think that's a good statement and, that's, and, that's and they they've, they've
0: also uh, tweaked out this where we got a statement of deficiency that would be one where we would care too
7: yeah. The near misses are also as important, so the, with all of this reporting and the, the entirety of just culture which is report but then the coaching and the learning and the scaling across the system, so the, the, those communication and uh, pieces, are uh, uh, all of the work that's happening in that is really, really good. Absolutely, okay
0: any other further comments on this section? With that, we will close out item G and we'll move into item H. Remember, this is a new standing item for us, item H, which is our True North Metric Dashboard Review. Um, uh, Too bad Dr. Hussein is not here. I would have applauded him, but once again, he wrote an excellent narrative. It read very well, and this is a standing report. If, If everyone will take their eyes to to page one ninety, this is our true north dashboard. And just to reflect for the audience, and then and again, reiterate for ourselves. In uh, July, August of this year, we approved, we approved thirteen true north metrics, for which for which this quality committee will continuously see on a continuous basis. Uh, again, to follow up on that steep dialogue we've had, Dr. Hussein has now added which of the steep elements in that second to left column, and I think that uh, that adds a nice kind of flavoring to how we. Review this this is a very well done report and it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a great dashboard for us uh, remember we were previously seeing these piecemeal coming out of each SBU, and while each SBU should pre- pre- uh, present their respective ones, this is that big dashboard that we look at, and once again, uh, Dr. Hussein uh, wrote a very nice narrative. He also, um, Dr. Jensen, I mean uh, Trustee Jensen, he, he gave a nice description of what each of them, each of them, uh, remember, so I remember that was a nice discussion, so as we continue to keep our eyeballs on this, mm-hmm. this report will continuously come. So with that, we will close out on item H uh, for that dashboard. Sorry, any commentary on the dashboard?
7: No. We'll I'll uh, be happy, happy to take any question, uh, Dr. Hussein is <laughs> at Alameda in call. Of course, that's what he'd say. That's what he'd Okay.
0: okay. Uh, with that, we will close out item H. And now, uh, we're coming around the corner, we'll go to item I, which is pal- uh, uh, planning calendar and issue tracking. If the trustees or anyone in the audience will go to page 193, remember we've instituted trying to do standard work, trying to do forecasting and planning. We, we continue to have discussions about what items might come outside the regular reporting. We have regular reporting on a quarterly basis from each of the SBUs. We have regular reporting from patient safety and compliance. We have regular reporting now on this TrueNorth dashboard. Sometimes we want space to discuss these other items. So on this calendar at the bottom are, uh, I've created a new, a new category called miscellaneous open session reports. Mm-hmm. And these, I, I've tried to capture some of the dialogues we've been having here. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've previously talked about the great work uh, coming out of the Human Rights Clinic here. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the Provider Wellness Program. Thank you, Dr. Hearn. We've talked about translation services. Uh, uh, Trustee Jensen wanted a a follow-up on the Transfer Center, which I think is appropriate. Uh, And as we forecast, remember when we were uh, the board was a little caught off guard uh, last June when we knew we had a vote on true north metrics in July. So maybe we should talk a little bit in advance of that. Uh, And of course, there are there's the patient affairs landscape. We talked about that at the last month, where Dr. Jamaladeen is going to come back to us and talk to us about where the patient voice is articulated in the system, because we had a big question. Is there a place for the patient voice at the full board level, question mark? Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I've just put out a few kind of uh, check marks on this. Uh, We're looking to have a a, a nice discussion from Dr. Nick Nelson of the Human Rights Clinic in January. Um, uh, Still working on uh, what else to go. We're thinking about hearing from translation services in February and maybe the uh, the transfer center in March. Any other commentary from the, the trustees on reports which relate to our
5: quality mission? I think we, we heard the clinical water sets were kind of critical, and we're coming up to some critical dates, and then you said we'd like to report on that more frequently. Yeah. So what's the frequency that you think there is? Let me get back to, to you about this
7: uh, once I get clarity from Sephard team and will discuss it with the Okay, great. Okay. Okay. So uh, if there are no other comments on, on the report's calendar, I'll keep it as is,
0: without modification. and that will close out item I, we now will uh, go into the last item on the agenda with 10 minutes to go. Item J, Council. Should I take about 10
3: minutes? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. well, the board. So the committee uh, in closed session considered the uh, credential report for future of the three medical staffs and prove credentials and privileges as recommended by each of the MBCs. <laughs> Actually. Thank you for that. Um, with that, uh, we
0: give the gift of time. We've never done it before. Ten minutes ahead of time. Uh, Ten minutes until we
2: open up for the full board. Thank you. We close out the November 29th UPSD. Thank you. Thank you. you